are listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Each week, Roger is joined by Joe, Vince, and Marty. figure one more week of him not being here i'll put marty in front of him <laughs> oh i'll man. get my daughter to record a new intro and it'll be maybe vince i'll put you you've been good so i'll put you first and then marty and then joe at the end <laughs> i mean you should just do like a catch-all recording welcome to for the lore with whoever showed up this week yeah really <laughs> so as you can tell folks joe isn't here he couldn't make it tonight to uh, work call so we will proceed without him. We have Lord knows enough to talk about anyway, and we are going to start with Warmind. Now, I will flat out say we did not get into it, and by we, I mean my son and I. We talked about potentially playing some this weekend, or last weekend, I should say. We did not get a chance, so I still have not even stepped into Warmind. I know both of you have. I've been watching the tweets and everything, so we'll start with Marty. What are your initial impressions of of Warmind? So my initial impressions are the campaign is a little short, but that doesn't mean it's short on content. I just wanted more interaction with Anna Bray and Nocris and the big bad uh, Zol. I wanted yeah. more stuff. It, it's not short in the amount of content, like five really good missions. It's just it feels short because there's so much story spread across such a small number of missions. It just it kind of jumps from one thing to another. Yeah, I feel like it reminds me the most of the length of House of Wolves or The Dark Below. Mm -hmm. It could have been longer. Well, the Dark, Dark Below is only like three missions, I think, right? Yeah. If you're saying it is the equivalent of The Dark Below, that is not high praise no, at it's, least. It's oh, far better than Dark Below. I would. Oh, yeah. I would put it above Curse of Osiris, not necessarily an amount of content, but quality of content. Agreed. Okay. It's definitely, um, it's not Taken King quality, but it is still uh, a better exp uh, better DLC than most of uh, Destiny's, uh, Destiny 1 had. Um, what I really do enjoy about it, I love the PvP changes. Um, well, so far that I've played, I've loved those. Um, I love how the exotics feel exotic. Uh, I love the secrets. Uh, I love the, the hunt for uh, the memory nodes oh. and now the decryption keys that's been a lot of fun uh escalation protocol it promises to be uh vince have you seen anybody get past wave three i've seen wave five a couple times but i've never seen it finished oh, just that damn. ogre has so much health it's it's impossible explain it's, what you're talking yeah. about so, so escalate oh sorry go ahead marty oh go ahead vince i'm i'm <laughs> <laughs> yeah, escalation protocol is their new end game activity it's like an end game public event where you can trigger it and it, it's basically like a horde mode with stronger and stronger enemies the issue is it's uh 380 power level so nobody is actually ready for it yet so yeah they put in shit that nobody can do pretty much <laughs> but i mean once you know, it, it, it's intended as an end game activity so i I, it doesn't bother me that most people in the areas now can't actually complete it. So, yeah, you can do the first couple of waves. I've seen people get up to wave three. Uh, Vince has seen them up to wave five. That's pretty good. Out of eight waves, it's not bad. Um, I have not done, we were supposed to do uh, a raid or a raid lair last weekend, but my buddy's kid had a meltdown. So that whole thing fell through. Um, <laughs> but Welcome to I, adult gaming. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Somebody's kid had a fucking meltdown tantrum in the middle of Walmart. They weren't up to raiding afterwards. <laughs> Johnny's off his shit again. Raids <laughs> yeah, well, hey, you know. Um, I really do like the twists, and I may be in the minority here, but I like the twists of what this is revealing about Rasputin and some of the other war minds and what's going on mm -hmm. with what is a war mind. Um, and I've said on the show before. I uh, there's sometimes when the lore uh, it's a revelation, not a retcon. Uh, in this case, maybe a little of both, but I think it still works and I think it still fits. Like um, the main, the basic story is the main processor. The uh, you know how in um, Nessus you can go find failsafe. Well, 
where you can go find Rasputin is on Mars. Uh, and you can bounce back and before the collapse, you can bounce back and forth between all the worlds. Post-collapse, he was fragmented and there's parts of him on Earth and parts of him on Mars. And so when we set up the Ares, the uh, Arecibo array in that uh, one mission in, um, not the Plague Lands, it's right next to the Plague Lands. Io, uh, wasn't it? Old Russia. No, I'm going back to D1 for this one. Oh, oh, oh when you're sorry. Old Russia, like you do this mission and you hook up the a satellite tower hooks up. And so now Rasputin can connect to the rest of the network, meaning Rasputin has connection to the rest of Rasputin, basically. What this means for the submines and the other war mines, I don't know, um, but I'm totally fine with not knowing. I'm sure that they'll reveal it. Um, and also what I really dig about Warmind is that one of the secrets led to people finding stuff. It was an actual secret. In real life, right? Vince, what did you talk random. about? Well, I, I didn't dive into the actual uh, like nuts and bolts of the riddle. Like I, I had, I had found it. I remember I even posted it in, in the Discord. I was like, I'm too tired to figure this out right now. Here you go, Marty. Because <laughs> it was like keys and glyphs and all kinds of craziness. It was actually in Rasputin's core chamber was where it was found, right? Yeah. And oh. somehow these mad scientists over on Raid Sequence managed to decode this and actually get a set of coordinates in the real world. <laughs> Which somebody went there and got a replica of the Valkyrie spear from Damn. the Warmind campaign. And then like little notes. And there's also coins there saying, okay, take one coin, leave the rest. And like, you know, there's a little log book there that people can tell their story when they go find it. Which was really cool until I also read the park rangers shut the thing down because Vicarious Visions did not get a permit. Oh, for fuck's sakes. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, it was cool up until that point. <laughs> but it's funny because every time new content comes out for Destiny, that the Raid Secret subreddit has always been a joy to read through. Not because of like finding out interesting things, but like the tinfoil hat <laughs> conspiracy theories. <laughs> I remember when this came up, everybody was like, oh, have they finally found that sixth treasure chest from the Vault of Glass that they've been looking for? <laughs> but it. it this one actually turned out to be real. <laughs> it's pretty great. Um, and also there's in-game lore to support. Actually, that real world item uh, supports in-game lore that the Exo Stranger is Elsie Bray, mm -hmm. the sister of Anna Bray, which is neat. Have you started getting like, the little like journal entries from uh, Anna and Elsie? I've gotten a couple, um, the memory fragments, and I need to start decoding um, or finding the music boxes. We've been calling mm -hmm. them my fire team D8s because uh, we're all old school <laughs> gamers. So we're looking for the machine, uh, the Warmind uh, D8s. Uh, and I've found like two or I, I found basically all of them, but I don't have the codes for all of them. Yet, right. So yeah, I, I've cracked open probably about six or eight of them. And I've only gotten like two of the actual little journal entries so far. So I don't know if it's randomized or just predetermined or spread out because it's random which code you get to unlock. But I don't know how the, the actual contents that you unlock, if it's based on like, you always get this drop on your third unlock or this drop always comes from that specific music box. I don't know which, but it's one of them. Explain what you mean. So there's a lot of shit hidden in Warmind, like you saw from my uh, screenshots when yeah. when it went live. Uh, first of all, there's the uh, cache codes. Is that what they're called, Marty? Yeah, my memory nodes are cache codes, and there's memory 45 nodes. of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's 45 of these little like hologram beacons scattered across Mars. And you just have to shoot them with the proper element weapon based on what color they are. And it unlocks once you... Uh, unlock 35 of the codes, you gain access to the lead or exotic sword. And then once you get all 45, you get uh, an exotic speeder. And there's also like lore stuff that goes along with it. And you get little like data journal entries out of the 45. I have now found 10 on my own. What about you, Marty? So uh, Charles from Darkadia and I, and my buddy, Will, uh, Will found all 45 already. Charles cheated. Did he and looked find it up. all forty-five, or 
Will, I'm pretty sure Will did not look up anything on YouTube. Okay. Charles, however, Charles did. And then Charles took me around. So I have 35, maybe 40 okay. right now. So I mean, I know I'm going to get to a point where I just look up the guide. But for now, since I'm still like actively pursuing content on Mars, I've just finding what I come across so far. So I've gotten 10. And then on top of that, once you complete the campaign, uh, much like in, Dest in Destiny, all the other planets like once you finish the main story for a planet you unlocked that uh side stories and side quests well one of the side quests lets you get these uh code fragments you get code fragments from patrols public events uh, high-ranking monsters basically anything you do on mars will give you one to two i think i saw three drop from a heroic public event once and when you get four you combine them together into an unlock code that unlock code will give you a tiny little descriptor. It'll tell you like what zone it's in and like what landmark to look for. And when you get there, there's these, uh, did you actually do the Arecibo mission in Destiny 2, Roger? With the singing music boxes? Yes. So there's those scattered all over Mars. So you have find the one that corresponds with your unlock code and it'll start resonating with you and like your screen will get blurry and you'll hear the, the Russian music. And then you can unlock it and get gear, blueprints for Braytec weapons, as well as more lore stuff that you can unlock. Uh, it looks like the journals of Anna and Elsie Bray. Go to their the servers and unlock them. It's pretty cool. And another quest that lets you unlock version 2.0 of the Sleeper Simulant, mm. which is a heavy-duty linear fusion rifle. Uh, in Destiny 1, it was a ricocheting heavy-duty uh, plasma laser, and it was a lot of fun. I wasn't super great until they, they buffed it, um, and that was a... That quest to get that gun was incredibly complicated. Like, you had to <laughs> kill enemies in a certain order, and that order was represented in, like, code. It was, it, was, it was just ridiculous. This one, it's more like a traditional, go kill these many guys, go do this, go do that, and you'll, you'll get your sleeper. Yeah, I'm at the stage right now where I have to do the heroic strikes, but my power level's not high enough yet. Yeah, same. I'm waiting for tomorrow. Mm. Yeah, like the amount of content and stuff to do, I'm very pleased. It it feels a lot like Taken King, where you can do the story and do the end game if that's all you care about, fine, whatever. But for people like Marty and I, who just love spending time in the world and finding calcified fragments and unlocking the chests from the the worm gods and all that stuff that you could do on the dreadnought I, yeah. i've spent a lot of time just screwing around on mars because it's fun let's actually it, talk about mars what is it looking like is it very very similar to d1 or is it fairly different there are parts of it that are fairly similar and then mm -hmm. there are parts of it that are like wildly different um there are some ice caverns where the high the frozen hive are and that is uh so it's these beautiful ice caverns that you know look really just really well done well rendered and then they're ruined by the completely terrifying and horrible hive architecture as there's stuff like it grows over it so it's really fucking creepy um the hive creeped me out like just 100% creeped me out. I had to, I was slow walking during the final mission. <laughs> I was like, they're freaking me out, man. Okay, but going back to the, the, the planet, though, like when we look at other planets, some of them are laid out in such a way that it's fun to be on and bounce around and everything else. And I'm at a point now with Destiny 2 where that is a big concern because what we saw with the Infinite Forest is when they tried to introduce a new zone, for a lot of people, not necessarily everybody, it kind of failed and lost its well, luster, for lack of a better term. So now whenever they introduce a new zone, I'm very conscious of that. And I understand that we're going to be spending a lot of time grinding on said planet. So it has to be designed in such a way that it's actually pleasing and fun to be on. I've had no I issues. It it's about the size of Titan, if you can kind of visualize that. It's That's not as big small. as like the EDZ or IO or Nessus. So yeah, it's, it's a smaller zone, but it it also has a lot of nooks and crannies, like okay. the caverns and the, the laboratories. Like Pretty much every time I play, I find a place I haven't been yet. Oh, nice. Same. 
it's been a lot of fun. It's a really well-designed uh, slim zone, like pretty, I think pretty good for DLC, not an expansion, but definitely yeah. for a DLC. It's been a lot of fun, like resuming around and going to the caverns and going into the war mine zone. So it's, there is some, uh, and of course, just yeah. knowing how much shit is hidden in there. Like I never use my, my sparrow. Like I'm just walking around. Like I'll usually be walking backwards, doing circles around pillars, looking in every crate and truck trailer I come across, trying to find yeah. more hidden stuff. One, I do, I do have to say, like when you unlock the right frequency, I love that effect. Like you're hearing it; it's mm -hmm. completely 3D stereo. Um, your screen gets a little wonky because you're resonating with this device. It's super cool. But it's it's also they're not always obvious. Like there was one I had, uh, where was it? It was in the Dynamo. So like uh, Rasputin, as you're approaching Rasputin's core, like his processing facility, and like I'm in the room, I can hear the music. My screen's all fucked up. I'm like, where is this thing? Turns out I had to leave the room, go around the corner, and crawl through an air duct to get to a secret area. And then inside that secret area, there was a panel I could activate. And I have no idea what that panel does. I got to figure that one out later. <laughs> I, yeah, I could fill you in. My buddy will figure that one out. And it was pretty great. And, mm. and he showed me. It's, yeah, it's a good one. Or like even with like the lost sectors, there's uh, some of the data cache fragments in the lost sectors where like you almost have to like kind of speed run them to get there before the door closes so you can shoot it in time. Like it's... It's the most fun open world zone in Destiny 2 yet, by far. And really? We didn't now. even talk about Stephen Fry. Whoa, 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 let's back up. The funnest open world zone in D2 right now. Yes. Yeah. Holy, f okay. Okay, well then I'll uh, get Vince into it sooner totally than later. Right. Yeah, Vince was right. I, this does remind me, it has like the same, not the same feel, but the same style as the Dreadnought. Like, I loved mm. the Dreadnought. Like, I love the Dreadnought more than I loved old uh, the Plague Lance. Like, the Dreadnought was just well, the yeah. pinnacle of D2. Yeah. And it's better than that, you're saying? No. Okay. It's the best in D2. Oh, okay, sorry. Okay, okay, okay. It's the best so far. Um, that's still and, saying a lot, uh, though. Again, yes. it's purely subjective, granted, but that's still yeah, saying Yeah, if you're a not a person a who likes looking for secrets and stuff, if you just want, you know enemies to mow down and cool sparrow jumps it might not be your thing but for marty and i it is cool okay all right any other parting thoughts on this there's one other thing like Shoot. we skipped we didn't even talk about stephen fry um stephen fry the actor is the voice of the concierge ai and this is the the basically do you want to know more uh ai <laughs> oh, that will yeah. tell you about like the creation of Rasputin. How many times can an XO mind be rebooted? Theoretically, we think it's 20, which means Banshee 44 is totally hosed. Um, and uh, during he's, you know, the warning sounds during the uh, the final missions. So spot on. Yeah, this is so much fun. I, I have some small issues with with some of the lore stuff. Uh, namely, how does Elsie Bray kind of have her memories? Or not Elsie, Anna. You're supposed to not remember your previous life once you're a guardian, but I don't know. Uh, but overall, it's very enjoyable. But one thing I do have to give some credit to <laughs> is how they've uh, tweaked the Eververse. There's a new thing in the Eververse. What's it called, Marty? The prism or some It's like some the shit? prismatic code? Yeah, whatever it is. Essentially, you get one free one every week. And you can get random drops elsewhere. Like I got a second one in a public event on you know, some planet I was at. Probably Nessus because that's where the flashpoint was this week. And what it is, you when you activate your matrix every week, it picks 10 Eververse items that you have never received before. And every time you activate the matrix, you get one of those items. This is in addition to the actual Eververse engrams. So every week you're guaranteed to get at least one thing you've never gotten before. And it's a couple exotics, a couple legendary, stuff like that. So it's not completely getting rid of the loot box phenomenon, but it's kind of taking the edge off of it a bit. Is the first thing that you receive an olive branch? <laughs> first thing I got was an exotic uh, spaceship. I was very Which happy. one? Uh, I don't remember. The one that looks like a dragonfly. Yes, I got the same one. Oh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> the new emotes are fantastic. I actually bought the uh, Emperor Kalos emote. 
It's the um, let's back up because mm-hmm. this is what I was asking about last week or the week before. How did you buy it? Was it a gamble with the to get enough dust to do it, or were you? It was one just... of the items she had on offer this week, and I oh, had okay. the dust. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, it's called the something clap, and like he he does the Lord Kalis like very slow clap clap. It's it's awesome. I love it. The Eververse gear set this season is garbage. It looks terrible. I haven't yeah. actually looked at it. It looks awful on Titan. The number one issue people are having right now, from what I can read, is that mm-hmm. people feel like the armor is uninspired this uh, this uh, this go around. However, the fall update promises to be massive and more <laughs> and stuff. The one new on. piece of armor everybody loves is dog shit. <laughs> the new warlock chest piece that looks amazing has a completely useless skill. <laughs> it has a little enhanced radar perk. Ooh. Oh, great. <laughs> but All overall, right. this is a, a huge step in the right direction. And I kind of just have to uh, quote a coworker of mine. He's like, this is great. This is the best Destiny 2 has ever been. I just wish my friends were still around so I had somebody to play it with. Yeah, see, that's the big one. It's with all this said now, do you legitimately feel this is a reason to get back into the game? I, it, if you still want to play Destiny, absolutely. But I mean, there's still, you know, I also won't fault anybody who's like, no, I'm done with that game. Marty? I, you know, if people want to, well, I have not stopped playing. I still really enjoy it. Um, so I'm an outlier. Yeah, However, no, but think of it in terms of somebody else. Think again, me. I, I have not been playing a lot. And so, is this enough of a reason? Is it good enough that you feel confident saying, yeah, dive back in, forget about the other games you're playing, dive back in, you will love what's been put in? I definitely think it's, yeah, dive back in. It's definitely something that you can play. You jump in, play for, you know, maybe a couple of hours, maybe 20 minutes, but you can get some some stuff done, get some cool loot. The loot is getting better. Um, I think it's worth it. But Let I, me add- I like the uh, the Vanguard and PvP ranks they've put on uh, Zavala and Shax with the vendors, how, you know, you have to earn certain amount of ranks with them and you can just straight up buy really nice gear. That's they, They've done a lot of improvements that people who like Destiny 2 and just had some issues with it will really enjoy it. But at the same time, if you're somebody who is just completely put off and you're just like, I don't want to play that game anymore, this isn't going to sell you on it because it's still at its core the same game okay last question then because i have the season pass so clearly i'm going to yes. play and for anybody else it's one of those well we'll try it what have you got to lose but is it good enough that you feel confident saying if you don't have the season pass it's actually worth picking this up and paying for it this individual dlc i would say probably okay is right. it worth buying the season pass knowing the curse of osiris is also included in that you could probably pass on that one i'd say I would have to say, yeah. I mean, this is way better. Like, Curse had some fun bits, but I understand why it did not do super well. But this is definitely worth the the money to plunk in, play, see what's going on, play in the raids, get the cool exotics. So, yeah, I'd say it's worth it. Okay. The, the best comparison I can make is Curse of Osiris. I loved the story content. And then when I was done with that, I literally did not play Destiny again for three months. Right. Whereas with this, I had some issues with the story content, but I also every day can't wait to get back in and play it again. Nice. Okay. Okay, fair enough. All right, let's move on from there now. Vince, I think we found this Star Trek Bridge Crew stuff at the same time. We probably saw the same article. And <laughs> it's entirely possible. I was fucking psyched all hell, So, but go ahead. Yeah, Star Trek Bridge Crew is one of those games where I was like, you know, yeah. <laughs> the VR, this is one of the games I'll play because it's just such a cool concept. We all love Star Trek. Who doesn't want to be on the bridge of the fucking Enterprise? So they have a new update coming out. I, I forget exactly. Did they say when? Soon. Uh, May 25th. 25th. That's very 22nd. soon. Yeah, very fucking soon. The Next Generation DLC, yes. which of course we knew was going to happen. So yes, you have the Next Generation version of the Enterprise with the... Because the first game it had the classic Enterprise and the movie Enterprise, right? Like the 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 Chris Pine movie Enterprise. 
I haven't gone through everything in the first one. I literally, okay. in the base game, I should say, I need to get back in and, and really dive. Yeah, I, I think it's it. the classic Enterprise and the new movie Enterprise are both in there. Because I don't know, because the you start off in a completely different um, like Federation ship. It's not the Enterprise mm-hmm. per se, so I, I don't know. All right. Well, this one, it's, you know, the actual yes. NCC-1701D, uh, Picard's ship. And so you have the new control schemes, you know, the, the boards are laid out just exactly like they were in the Enterprise. They've uh, added in, you can now make your character an android, uh, as well as tweaked around, like, oh, of course there's balance changes and new mechanics that they're throwing in, like modulating your phasers and this and that. They've changed the engineering posts to now be a general operations post. So you're in charge of like shields, but as well as uh, sending damage crews around and actually managing the personnel of the ship, which is pretty fun. Because the engineering in the first bridge crew, from what I saw, was eh, probably the least interesting position. <laughs> actually, no, I I will say that I enjoyed it. Okay. it. It's one of those things where there's going to be one of the stations that's the least enjoyable, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean it's not fun. It's just the quote-unquote least fun subjectively amongst those those awesome stations mm-hmm. I, I think it's a matter of like i okay, enjoyed the it. weapons guy needs weapons power the pilot needs navigations power you're you're just kind of stuck in the middle whereas i feel in this one they've given it a little more autonomy to do their thing yeah see and i didn't mind the other way because it is very much working with the other people in the ship mm-hmm. so i found it far more cooperative whereas like your captain is more barking orders your 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 um your pilot is pretty much that Han Solo kind of, I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want mentality. <laughs> I'm going to go around here. I'm going to do this. And it doesn't really matter. And that's that's fine. And then, But I, I kind of like the engineering because it was very much working with the other stations as well. Mm-hmm. But I, I, again, having read this, I am very much looking forward to this new implementation as well. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I have adding- a question. Yes. So you said you can modulate the phasers, right? Something like that, yes. Okay. Uh, let me see if I can find the exact quote. Because if you're modulating phasers, that means there's Borg on the way. Well, that's well, the thing. Well, about is. that, I'm yeah. glad you mentioned that, Marty. <laughs> <laughs> they talked about other additions coming. Uh, Romulans are being added to the game as a potential enemy, as well as some new mission types, one of them called Resistance, which, yes, very specifically features the motherfucking Borg. <laughs> And nice. it's not like anything they've done. Like the, the majority of this article on the PlayStation blog was about them designing and tweaking this actual resistance mode where you're fighting the Borg, where the, the mission objectives of resistance are to hop around the galaxy, collect these anti-Borg weapons, and just blow the cube out of space. But it's the Borg, so that's not how things work. <laughs> and it's it's very much like, you're presented with this unstoppable threat and you might not be able to accomplish your mission objectives in the way you would like. Sometimes you just got to run because much like the Borg in Star Trek, they will learn, they will adapt. You, you can maybe win a fight with them, but you, you've got to stay on your toes and think creatively. And I, I love how they said, like, you don't have to accomplish all the mission objectives. If you can somehow destroy the Borg cube, you win. You'll get more points for doing all the mission objectives, but Starfleet doesn't care about points. Starfleet cares about saving lives and getting rid of the bad guys. And they talk about their, the the creative solutions people have come up with for stopping the cube. Like, where's this one? Let me see if I can find it in here. Uh, yeah, our favorites included a dangerous space anomaly and a well-timed warp core breach. <laughs> the crew failed to reach their current objective, but won the larger battle. So, nice. yeah. They've they've baited AI enemies into like a, uniting against a larger threat, so teaming up with Romulans and Klingons and stuff. So it it's it sounds like pretty brilliant. And I mean, if you're going to do the Borg, you got to do it right. And it seems like they did it right. Well, see the the thing that I loved about this in that article, having read it as well, is the comparison to the Kobayashi Maru mm-hmm. uh, mission, which is in in Bridge Crew. Where as soon as you recognize that it's the Kobayashi Maru, if you are a fan of the the series, (laughs) you know, oh, 
that, that that's what this is. I'm not going to win, so I need to do the best that I can in order to 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 save as many people as I can kind of thing. And I dig that because it really changes the um the manner in which you look at the objectives and the mission because you're going in understanding that it's a suicide mission or it's a mission where you're not going to save everybody. And un unlike the uh, the new Star Trek where he cheats, you don't have that option, so you're going to fail. But the game is designed in such a way that it really allows for creative thinking to shine through. And that's why when this dev was talking about this and about the variety of ways that people are going, have been uh, figuring out different ways to, to solve this, I, I believe it because I, I've done enough that it's like, yeah, the more so than, I don't want to say any game because again, that's pretty broad, but a lot of fucking games, the amount of control that you have to perform a mission in the manner that you think is right, even if it's not, is pretty astounding. And that's what makes it so that you can be the type of captain that you want to be. Or if you decide to take one of the other stations, whatever, you know what I mean. It's, it's very... It's very open to a variety of different uh, paths to get to that final destination. So then as I'm reading this and seeing uh, the, the lengths to which they are trying to make the Borg terrifying while still not so frustrating that you just rage quit... That speaks volumes. Like, I really like that this person who wrote this, I, I wish I had the article in front of me uh, so I'd have the name of the dev. I just closed it. Give me a second. Okay. I like that they were saying how, you know, they were old enough that they were right there for the next generation for it to have a big impact in their life. But they were also young enough that the Borg actually frightened them and they hung on to that because those childhood fears stick with you for your life. You you could rationalize it, but it's still kind of there. For me, I was in my teens, so it was a little different. The Borg were just a very interesting villain, but the the next generation was still my Star Trek. You know, I'd watch the original series in, in reruns, but even then, never all of it. And also, that was not quite a decade, but maybe about a decade before my time. So, whereas The Next Generation was prime for me. I was in my teenage years. I was creative. I was writing. And here you have this incredible reboot to to Star Trek. So knowing that the the devs working on this had that same amount of reverence for it, knowing having played it, the lengths to which you as the player can be creative with how you beat this, and then also knowing that the devs had this gripping fear of the Borg <laughs> means that that's going to be translated in the story for us. Everything I read about this was like, I cannot fucking wait to buy this and play through this. Yes. And for the record, the designer's name was Hunter Janes. Hunter, you're awesome. If you ever want to appear on the show for an interview, let us know. <laughs> Not that you're listening. <laughs> but if you are, we want to talk to you. So, yeah, it, it looks fucking amazing. I I know that neither of you are playing it, but, man, I, I can't wait. Okay. Sorry, party thoughts? You know... Like I keep flirting with the Switch or flirting with the PS4. <laughs> if you give me the Defiant, eh, the PS4 is going to edge out over the Switch. That's all I'm going to say. Actually, if I were to suggest anything, I would actually suggest you buy a if, and this is for anybody. I don't want to slam the PSVR because some of the things that it does very well, it does exceptionally well. But there are definitely limitations to it that you don't get in the other systems. Bridge Crew is available on the other. I would never suggest the Oculus. I've got huge problems with Facebook and, and Lucky Palmer. But the Vive, if you can afford it, 
Like, I'm looking forward to the day where, A, I'll be able to afford a Vive, which will come soon enough, and I'll pick one up and, and buy it. But I'm looking forward to playing specifically this game on the Vive because I adore the PSVR version, but it, the the visual fidelity it, visual fidelity is off just enough that it kind of takes you out a little bit. Whereas I'm thinking the Vive one won't have that because it it does look that good. So just just a tip for anybody thinking about it. All right. Just as a quick aside, have either of you guys seen Beat Saber? No. It's a it's a new VR game that just came out. It's a rhythm game, cool. where as the player you have two uh, non-copyright infringing lightsabers, a red one and a blue one in your hands. <laughs> and you have to hit the notes as they're coming at you in certain directions. Like it, It's fucking cool as shit. What's it called again? <laughs> Beat Saber. Is it actually available on the PSVR? It, they're working on the PSVR version. It just came out on all the assorted PC varieties okay. like last week. Well, nice. I'll check it out when it comes out. I actually have a couple of VR games that I picked up that I'm looking forward to. Every day I spend game. just like 10 minutes watching videos of that game because it's <laughs> mind-blowing. All right, let's move on from there. You found some Wild West Online news. Hey, news, yes. Quote, unquote. <laughs> I, I, we talked about this game way back when, when it was early on in development, and said it had a lot of potential to be really cool, but that we'll see. <laughs> Well, it has exited early access, so no. <laughs> uh, it's 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 a shit show, guys. Uh, it, oh, that's a shame. Very many ways, it is a hundred percent still an early access game, but nope, it's 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 a full finished game according to the developers. Of course, being an MMO, it's going to have updates and this and that. But in its current state, it is pretty barren uh there is almost no pve content to be to be seen uh there's a couple like fetch quests essentially and they've defended this by saying oh we've always said that wild west online will primarily be a pvp focused mmo with some social and pve elements to round it out like, at, you know, there are a lot of very fantastic pvp focused mmos out there that still have other content if PvP is the focus of your game, that doesn't mean you just don't do the other stuff. <laughs> your your players are still going to want something to do. Otherwise, you've essentially made Wild West Battlegrounds is what you've done. And that's pretty much what the game has turned into, is if you leave town, you're just going to get shot in the face by somebody because there's nothing else for those people to do. See, this is one of those things where when they were talking about it and it was the uh, open world content where you're creating your own adventure you're creating your own content and shit like mm -hmm. this and that to me is always a sign of a developer that is saying we're we not going to invest work. money into actually creating content for you we're going to con you into thinking that you have to create your own fun mm -hmm. and I, I i hate that that's the equivalent of sticking a kid in a sandbox but not giving him any pails any little shovels nothing just here play with fucking sand and it's again it's it it throws up so many flags and this was one of those games too that for well for all of us the hope was pretty high the expectation was not oh yeah absolutely and sadly I, although i i will say they still fell short of expectations really <laughs> uh, with with when of course the game came out you know out of early access the steam reviews were not pleasant uh although the developers were very happy with the upswing in reviews that brought their average up to 39 percent yes they celebrated a 39 percent approval rating <laughs> Uh, a site wow. unseen out of the current presidential administration. <laughs> Thank uh, you for going I, there, because I was about to go there. <laughs> when I when I checked tonight, they they've uh, kind of dipped back down to thirty two. But just just to illustrate how I don't even want to say feature light. How just how the how this isn't a full game. <laughs> character creation. You go into character creation. You can like you know. Metal, metal, metal around a little bit. You, there's a slider for your skin tone. You can pick one of two hairstyles. With one of, <laughs> no, no, with one of them being bald. 
and the other one being hat. <laughs> uh, please, please note: at no point did I say there's a gender selection. Oh, because God, you can only play as male characters in this game. I thought they said they were going to fix that. I thought that was well, addressed early on. They haven't. And I if the game is out of early access without that feature being patched in, I'm going to assume they don't give a shit. Fuck. Jeez. You know what? If God you're still in early I access to like game, this game, you can get away with a lot. But once you pull that banner off of your, your listing, no. All right. Damn it. Well, there's always Red Dead Redemption 2. <laughs> yes. Okay. Rage 2. Oh, yeah. I almost forgot about Rage 2. <laughs> so last week, uh, Walmart's website had updated with a bunch of listings for upcoming titles for 2018. And it was kind of a, a who's who list of games everybody wants to see. Uh, Borderlands 3 Borderlands was in there. 3, yeah. Uh, there was all kinds of stuff. And Walmart kind of like went back and was like, oh, no, sorry, that went live on accident. It was just stuff that we were, you know, we were setting it up in the store based on industry speculation so that when the games are announced, we can go live with it, blah, blah, blah. You know what? Probably true. I, I believe that one of the largest retail chains in the country would have this stuff kind of primed and ready to go because it didn't have box art or any of that stuff. But what was interesting was when this happened, the official Rage Twitter account from Bethesda started trolling. You know, posting like a uh, oh, Walmart, you got it wrong, was like drawing smiley faces <laughs> in the box art. And at that point, it's like, okay. Did, did the Wendy's Twitter account get involved as well? <laughs> you know what? Probably. <laughs> it's like, okay, there's a difference between like taking a piss and like trolling for a reason. Like, there's, there's no reason you would be drawing attention to this unless you did intend to announce Rage 2. It was probably intended to be an E3 announcement, but... I think Bethesda saw a good PR opportunity and just went ahead and released a trailer for it today. And this is more of a concept trailer than an actual gameplay trailer. They said gameplay will be revealed tomorrow. So by the time you listen to this episode, the gameplay trailer will be out. But it was more of like tone and, and stuff. And they're taking the Mad Max-esque uh, post-apocalyptic wasteland of the first game and just kind of ratcheting it up to 11 with neon paint and just absolute insanity. And I don't know about you guys, but the first Rage certainly had its faults, especially on PC. It ran like a piece of shit. The driving was fairly uninspired and honestly didn't fit into the game. And the story just kind of ended. Didn't yeah, It didn't have an ending. It just stopped. But that said... For its time, it was probably the most fun shooter on the market, I will say. I adored my time with the game. It was an absolute blast. So seeing them go back to the franchise, hopefully shore up the weaknesses uh, while still sticking to what the, what made the game successful. I'm actually really excited for this. I'm not hugely excited, but I'm very curious, put it that way. Mm -hmm. and Because I'm due for a a that that style of game i'm i'm due for a good one so uh, i'm hoping it'll be good we'll see All right they they're, they're uh, outsourcing a lot of the development it's not actually being done by id software whereas the first rage was a lot of it is being done by avalanche entertainment who most recently they did the mad max game which was right. solid but not great so i mean you know partnering with a a more reputable game development studio like it, We'll see how it could turn out, but I, I'm I'm very cautiously optimistic about this one right now. Yeah. Okay, let's move on from there and finish up with a couple of, well, it's not really hardware, but kind of the online services. We've got a couple of announcements, one of them being, of course, the uh, Nintendo release or information about their Switch Online thing that they're going to be doing, and as well, Steam released some information about their iOS and Android app that they're going to be putting out. So, with the Nintendo, we're looking at 20 bucks, and they talked about what it's going to entail. Now, you might have looked at this and thought, 20 bucks, well, fuck, that's a far cry from what we're paying with the Xbox Live and PS Plus memberships. So, bonus, but then you kind of look into what they're doing, and it's fucking bullshit <laughs> let's be very honest here it is fucking bullshit it doesn't matter that it's only 20 bucks 
It's to to quote fucking Jim uh, uh, Quisition thing. I, I just watched a video of that. Too. He was saying like, you feel like you're more ripped off with this than you are for the Xbox Live and the PS Plus, which is substantially more. But mm-hmm. this here, like, again, as much as Joe and I have praised the Switch console, which if they keep going the way that they have going, we're gonna keep praising the console and various games for because those are justifiably fucking awesome but this service is bullshit <laughs> like when you have to pay now there to in order to be able to back up your save games because of course the switch is fucked up in terms of allowing you to back up your saves. Now, you might think, well, that's not a big fucking deal, so you lost maybe 10, 15 hours in a game. Oh, no, 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 no. Let's talk about Breath of the Wild and those hundreds <laughs> of fucking hours I invested. If I lost that, I would never enter Breath of the Wild again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great game, but I'm in my late 40s. I don't have the fucking time to invest another couple of hundred hours, and there's still stuff that I want to go back and do i'm just i've just been taking a break from from it and so it's this, not you link it's me yeah really <laughs> and so this idea of essentially forcing you to have to subscribe to this paid service in order to back up your save games is complete and utter fucking bullshit that is that's that's batshit fucking crazy to me that a console manufacturer would force you to pay for a subscription fee in order to back up your saved games. And that's what's going to be happening. Let alone the online aspects, which suddenly now you're going to be forced to pay for that if you want to play your Mario Kart or your Splatoon 2 or your um, the upcoming... Um, uh, oh my God. The, the fighting game. Somebody help me. Smash Brothers. Smash Brothers. Um, that is fucking horrendous. And then the idea of the quote-unquote Nintendo Entertainment System that they're th- throwing in, which is just an NES fucking simulator, and then they're going to throw some games at you every month, but you don't get to keep those motherfuckers. You just can play them during that month. At the end of the month, they're gone. Here's some fresh tw- uh, new games that you can play and and go from there. There's an element that's not not bad. It, it'll be nice to kind of bounce in and say, okay, well, what am I playing this month? Okay, yeah, and then I concentrate. I haven't played Castlevania three in a couple decades. Let's spend an afternoon with it. Yeah, but that's not enough. And when you're looking at what the PS Plus and the Xbox Live are offering with their, in some cases, AAA games, or in other cases, really good indie games, Sure, there's shit that's thrown at you, too, but there's also a lot of fucking good stuff that's thrown at you that you get to keep as well. And here it's just, no, no, you're just kind of like, it's it's the equivalent of Netflix, only it's per month and you can play them during that month. That's a horrible system. That That is not fucking cool. And considering the the insane library of games that Nintendo has... This is, once again, keeping with their slap in the face of, fuck you, you're going to take whatever we give you. And I don't dig it. And then on top of that, like, there's a, a ooh, online app. Fuck you. Hey, Gary, <laughs> shut up. That is not a selling feature, a fucking iOS or Android app. That is not something yeah. that you how, put on. How well did on- second screen uh, technology work out for Microsoft? Yeah. It's not just that. That's like it's fourth on their list of things for this service. Like fourth, ooh, online app. Fuck you. Are you really this clueless? Apparently so. And then special offers is the fifth bonus. Holy fucking hell. Thank God it's only 20 bucks. Because it it's literally going to be a 20 for me that it's like, ah, just fucking take it and get the fuck out of my face. Because <laughs> I am so disgusted with this. This is, again, this, it was funny because I was I was ranting on, on Twitter ever so slightly, although somebody pointed out that I was fucking blowing it out, out of proportion. But I don't like that if you miss a month of quote unquote 
buying a game to get it for free with either the Xbox Live or PS Plus, you lose out on those games. I don't like that. Because if I miss out on it because I forgot, I'm out of town, who knows why, I lost out on games that I paid for that service. I should have those games. They should just be added to your library that you can download them whenever you want, but they get added by default because you paid for the fucking service. After this, I won't bitch about that anymore. <laughs> you know, it's that, that's fine. I'm not happy about it still, but I'm not going to bitch about it because it's not this bullshit from Nintendo. Okay, I'm done. One of you can talk now. <laughs> I got nothing. I got nothing. <laughs> I mean, just, just to put things into perspective, uh, because it's one of those uh, counter arguments by the mindless fanboys. That with PS Plus, yes, you can only access cloud saves on PS Plus if you're a subscriber. But there are also other options for backing up your saves. Bingo. They don't charge you if you want to put it on USB stick, which is not an option for the Switch. The The thing is, the only way physically possible to back up your Nintendo Switch saves is through subscription. If you don't think that is shady, you're not understanding what's happening. And I and I and I'm I'm sorry if that comes off as as patronizing. I know it comes off as patronizing, but it's also the truth because if you're looking at this, and I've got all of the consoles, so and and it's like what Vince just said. If I want to back up my saves on the on the PlayStation, I'll just hook up a fucking pen drive or I'll hook up a, a, a USB drive, and boom, I can shove it on there. Same thing with the Xbox Live. There is absolutely no reason why you should not be able to back up your saves. And again, if you are the type of person that's thinking, you know, it's 10, maybe 15 hours or whatever, you're playing different games than us. Because there's a lot of games where you are putting a lot more than that. And you know what? Fuck you. 10 or 15 hours when you are already busy with life, you have a fucking life. That's a lot of time still invested in a single game. And so, especially if you have a, a, a a catalog of games that you're trying to get through, like we try to every fucking week. And the idea of Nintendo holding your game saves hostage so that you buy a fucking membership to their their online service, there there is no defense of that. There just is not. As a backup, sure. But that means they need to figure out how to put it into their OS so that you can back it up via a USB if you want. And the funny thing about a lot of this is there's, there's arguments to be made on both sides of, well, it's Nintendo. They've always sucked it online. They probably didn't think about it. Bullshit. Or the other side of the, of the coin, which is, fuck you, we're Nintendo. We'll do whatever we want. I, I can see reasonable arguments for both of them because, I mean, look at Nintendo's track record with their online services, but also look at Nintendo's track record with the history of their business going back 40 years. I don't buy, I I firmly believe this is a, we're Nintendo, we're going to do whatever the fuck you want, and you guys are going to like it, pay for it, and do it. I do yep. not take this as a... Well, we're Nintendo. We've never really done this. So we don't know what we're doing. Fuck mm -hmm. you. They got enough money. They've got enough intelligence. And they've got intelligent people working there that they understand what is out there, what is expected, and what should be in an online service. They're choosing to take the cheapest, most fucked up way that they could to hold your saves hostage and to offer you just a few old Nintendo games that you don't get to keep, but you can fucking play them for the month until it runs out. Better get your the full game in before the month is up or fuck you. Now you have to buy it if you want to finish it. Girl. Yeah. <laughs> and then Steam announced that they are going to putting be putting out their iOS and Android app. Now, as opposed to the Nintendo app, this is actually cool because this is not somebody just saying, hey, this is a fantastic selling feature and now you want to pay 20 bucks a year for our service. No, this is just them saying, hey, you want to stream games to your mobile wherever you are? Boom, now you can do it. All you got to do is pair a fucking Bluetooth um, uh, joystick to your device and you can stream. I don't know how 
how or if it's going to be very laggy if you're, say, on your your home network. I'm definitely going to be testing this once it's available because I I love the idea. So if I can take my, my iPad Pro, which is a little bit bigger screen as well, and kind of set up somewhere with Bluetooth controller and just play my Steam games on that, whether I'm sitting on the couch with my legs up or not, that's bloody fucking awesome. I'm down for that, and that'll be very, very fucking cool to test out. Interesting. I could, you know, point and click and uh, play Stellaris on an iPad. That'd be kind of fun. Yeah, they're saying how the uh, the Steam controller is going to be, of course, the one that's that works the best with this. I know that Joe had a Steam. I, I, I think he did. I'm almost positive that he did. And I thought he had told me that he actually liked it. It took a little bit to get used to it, but once he did, he actually enjoyed it. If that's the case, then I might pick one up because they're not expensive. And then to be able to pair that with my my iPad and, and use that Steam Link, I'm all over that. Like in the evenings when I'm watching TV with my wife kind of thing, I tend to play either my my Switch or sometimes even still the the Vita, and I'll play some games while we're we're watching TV, especially if we're listening to music or whatever. And but the idea that I could sit with my iPad Pro and play some of my Steam games, oh, that actually, yeah, yeah, I would really really like that as long as it's a, a smooth kind of a stream to the iPad. Fuck, that'll be awesome. Okay. Now, because Joe isn't here, we had a couple of items that we were going to discuss that we're not going to touch on. So just round table here. Marty, anything you're playing or anything that you wanted to touch on before we go? Really, uh, kind of. Um, uh, there's a game I'm going to have to play as part of the All Comics Considered Patreon. We hit a certain level, and so I've got to get drunk and play Superman 64 <laughs> on the stream. <laughs> So wait through an emulator or through an actual 64 uh, through an emulator. I'm oh, okay. not, I'm not thrift storing it for a 64 to buy the, it'll cost more in labor for me to hook everything up to my TV than it would be for just download the emulator. So I've I, never played this game and I have oh. been told it's absolutely horrible. It it's worse than you've been told. A sweet Jesus. We play, we rented it, but only the one time, I believe. Because mm-hmm. we yeah. actually still have our Nintendo 64 still hooked up. But uh, we used to rent games like crazy. And I remember that one, but I I literally only remember us renting it once. <laughs> I remember so, yeah. I must have played it for like an entire afternoon, just like committed to finishing a level, proving to myself it was possible. All so, right. Uh, when we have the date and uh, we are ready to stream it, I'll let y'all know. That's awesome. All right, Vince, what about you? Uh, so one thing real quick, because you just reminded me, uh, that uh, role-playing thing I was talking about last week, some RPG stuff yeah, with the uh, the factions and all, uh, you just reminded me when you talked about it, somebody actually made a Stellaris mod with the actual factions from the RPG. No way! Yeah. Oh, that was so cool last week. Yes. I need this mod. Uh, it, it's out there. Just search Far Verona. I'm sure you'll find it. But uh, more importantly, today I finally finished my 100-hour playthrough of Persona 5. <laughs> I saw your tweet of that. I was actually going to bring it up. And, and it's not like I, I, I just didn't play it because I didn't like it. Like, I adore the game. But just the way, like, it has, like, a certain flow to it where there's points in the game that are full of action and a lot of stuff going on. And then there's lulls. So just naturally be like, okay, during when I hit one of those down periods where there's not a lot of story content going on, it's just the day-to-day school life stuff. Like, okay, let me go play Monster Hunter for a while. And then I'll do another couple of chapters. And like, all right, now let me go play this other game. So I, it's, it's just the way it worked out. It didn't have a hundred hours available at the time. So, but I finally got done with it and I, I adored it. The, the music just kept getting better. Like as the game went on, it, mechanically and artistically it is without a doubt the the pinnacle of the franchise and in a lot of ways character and story it's probably the best as well but it's one of those things that it's hard to kind of set aside your your nostalgia feelings for the other games like persona 3 the main story in that game is fantastic characters didn't really do a whole lot for me like persona 4 i adore some of the characters main story was fine but like 
if I try to step back and look at it objectively, I think Persona 5 kind of did better than both of them in that as well. And yet so, you were saying that I shouldn't pick it up. Because I know you. Okay, so then why? There then? are certain storytelling elements that just <laughs> frustrate you personally. I believe the phrase Roger uses is weird Japanese anime shit. Not even that. I mean, a lot of it, the, the core concept of the game is the societal imbalance between youths and adults and people in power abusing their power in all of the unfortunate ways that can be portrayed it, it without saying too much. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> and I, I know there are certain chapters of the game that would have been very problematic for Roger. All right. Well, if it makes you feel any better or makes you feel like he actually listens to me, I listened. I did not buy it. I respected your opinion on this. <laughs> Fuck all else. <laughs> but on I, this, I, I did. <laughs> I, I wholeheartedly recommend the game to everybody else. Generally to everyone, but not for you. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. I've been playing um I've been playing a ton of WoW, especially with my, my son. Um now that he's back in, we are playing quite a bit. We've been enjoying uh, teaming up and doing some some content together that we hadn't done before and in terms of solo I've been because I play with him a lot I thought okay well I'm gonna go back and do those stupid achievements so that I can fly in the in Draenor as well as in Legion because they put those stupid fucking things which I hate where you got to do a crap load of shit that's unimportant just so you can fly in a zone but because we like to do old dungeons together and raids and whatnot, uh, it's important to be able to get there in a reasonable time. So I wanted to unlock flying in, in both of those zones, and that way he wouldn't have to worry about it. So I'm, I'm closing in. I've, I've literally got two more days, and I'll be able to fly in Draenor, and then who the fuck knows for Legion. I'm... I'm almost done, Legion. I just got to unlock some some faction rep, and then I'll be done. That said, I will say, like, I've been enjoying a lot of the quests that I had not done before. Not just the Argus stuff, but I've actually done, clearly, because I needed to to do it to, to unlock a, a whole bunch of different stuff and to get as much faction rep as I could. I've been doing a lot of the, the questing in different zones and whatnot. And I found a lot of things that we had not done or we had quit before we had done like case in point the Surmar zone now I've kind of really dived deep into those zones in order to get as much of the faction rep as I could and there's actually a lot of of really impressing impressive questing in there there's a lot of shit that we've seen a ton before there certainly are a lot of tropes that we've seen before yes of course but amongst those were a few gems that I thought, ooh, okay, I'm glad that I went back and did this. This was actually really good, and, I, and I'm glad I did it. And then in addition to that, I've been working on the, um, the class halls as well, which yet another thing that initially, because, because Garrison scarred me so badly, I really did not have a lot of interest in the class, the order halls. But when you kind of dive into them um, deep enough, not all of them, but some of them have some pretty spectacular questing, actually, and some really cool story elements that you would not have seen otherwise. And then, of course, the Argus stuff has all of the Illidan stuff, which, holy fucking hell, is that ever cool as shit? Like, the, Ar the, the stuff with Illidan and Argus and the stuff that you do with replaying Ar uh, Illidan's life as part of your order hall. So everybody kind of goes through that where you see visions of Illidan's life and you take part. And there's one part where, I, I don't know if I mentioned in the podcast, but I know I, I've chatted with Joe about it, where like you play as Illidan in the raid. So whereas everybody else has done that raid, the, oh fuck, what's it called again? The Black Black Temple. Black Temple. Yeah, whereas normally, again, you are going up against Illidan for Black Temple. When you're doing the Argus questing stuff, or I should say the, um, the, the class hall stuff, and you're going through the Illidan storyline, 
you actually play as Illidan in that 40-man raid, and you're attacking raid members, including some that are AFK and all kinds of shit like that. You go after the healers, and, and, and it's it's brilliant. It's really fun because especially for those of us that were around for black temple when it first released it's kind of cool and nostalgic to suddenly be playing as illidan instead so i'm finding a lot of little things throughout that i did not experience initially that i'm enjoying that said there's still a there's still a ton of shit that I that is not for me and I know won't be for other people and I'm trying to navigate around that and the faction rep grind leans into that as well but I'm almost done so I'm willing to fucking let it go but but overall there's been some really astounding quest lines and different things throughout that I'm, I'm kind of glad that I went back in and I've been doing those so with that, we are actually going to wrap it up. Thank you very much for joining us. Of course, you can find the show notes at For The Lore. You can find us on Twitter at For The Lore. Individually, Joe, who's not here, is LoaderZJ. Vince is Simodian. Marty is Officer Gleason. And I am Zen Buddhist. You can also find us on iTunes and Stitcher. And with that, we will see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to For The Lore. If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Popcorn Ronin with Roger and Vince, a movie, TV, and anime podcast, as well as Lore Watch, a Blizzard lore podcast co-starring Joe. And if you're into comic books, check out All Comics Considered with Marty and his crew. Lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. You can find him at ManelliJamal.com as well as on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs.